Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger. I'm joined tonight by my co-host, Wilkie Law. Will, how are you? I'm doing great. What up, what up? Just just enjoying life. You know, I'm sitting here in Wisconsin, and I'm, we're having one of those passing storms that reminds me of Houston, where it's like sunny in one spot, but it's like a thunderstorm uh, right behind it. So I'm, I'm having a little reminiscing of, you know, my time in Houston, but uh we're super thrilled, super blessed tonight to be joined by Ryan Parker on the podcast. Ryan, how you doing? Yo, peace and love, peace and love. Hey, it's my pleasure. I'm well. I'm rising, trying to shine as much as I can. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it a little later, but we do want to say our you know we said it before, but our congratulations that you're uh, you're a new dad. So we knowing that you're a new dad, we appreciate you taking a little bit of time time with us tonight. Yes, it's all about intentionality from this point on. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Ab- I love the way you said that. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. So, so, so why don't you tell us, for our listeners, tell us the story of how and why you became a teacher. Um, okay, so so to try to get it, like, to, I'm, I'm a talker, so I'm not, like just cut me off when I'm like exhausting the mic. Um, but so to kind of kick it off from the beginning, I... Um, I had this teacher, um, her name was Mrs. Jennings, when I was in high school. And uh, along the front part of her wall, when you walked into class, there was a sign that said, silence is golden. Um, And that terrified me. And it was the kind of class you stepped into, and you sat down and folded your arms across the desk, you got some kind of worksheet, and you could hear a pin drop. Um, And I remember there being a student that was separated by some cardboard that she had set up, and excluded him from the rest of the class, and uh, it freaked me out. Um, and I remember thinking to myself, because I, I was going to I was going to NBA at that point. You know, that's what I was going to do. I was going to be an NBA basketball player. But I remember thinking that if I would have ever stepped into the world of education, that I would, I would try to bring, like, golden noise, and um, that I would want to do the exact opposite of what this teacher was doing. And that's when I first entertained the idea of, like, hey, Maybe one day I would become a teacher. But what really pushed it over the top was I was in college. Um, I originally wanted to uh, go to Marymount, Manhattan, um, but I wasn't able to afford the cost, so I went to Eastern Connecticut State University. Shout out to um, ECSU. And I I wanted to study acting, uh, but then I I was tutoring Asian philosophy and I was tutoring writing. I had, like, a gift. Like, I'm thankful that I just had the gift to be able to write well. And... um, people were coming through and getting tutoring from me and um, then they were leaving comments. They would have like evaluations and they were leaving comments about about how much I was able to help them improve and I was like, yo, maybe I can do this teaching thing. I love I love writing. Um, I love being able to help people and that kind of like pushed it over the top and I got involved in um, some, some educational programs and from, from then on like the rest is like history, um, and landed where I'm at now. So, um, that, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's that's how it happened. No, absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. And it, it, I think it's interesting that our stories are very similar because you decided that you you started looking at, at teaching as an option by the results of a bad teacher. Yeah, and yeah. I was that kid when I was in the sixth grade that was behind the partition that the teacher separated from everybody else. Oh yeah, I, that, 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 and so when she told me her words, that worst me was sit over there and do nothing because you're not going to be nothing. 
Yeah. And from now on, I'm going to call you Mr. Do-Nothing. And I remember that, that like, so vividly. And I tell the story all the time that I, I, I stopped going to school because I hated being rejected. Mm-hmm. And uh, eventually, you know, they labeled me as a dropout. Mm-hmm. Things, I had to repeat the year again because I had a mom at home who didn't know. That was before mm-hmm. they started making phone calls home to tell you that your kid was absent. They would send letters home. And I would forge my mom's signature, take them from my sister, forge my mom's signature, and take them back to school. Um, and um, my mom made me repeat the sixth grade again at the same school, even though mm-hmm. we moved, with the same teachers, to prove that oh, I no. failure. And I tell people that that defined for me my character and set in motion for me to say that I would never want anyone to walk into a sixth grade class and feel the way that I felt in her room. Yeah. And that's yeah. that I started teaching sixth grade math. <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. Yeah, that's big. And, and what's crazy is, like, your story, um, that's not, it's, it's very common for me to hear that story. Um, and so I think that's kind of, like, also puts me in that mode to, to battle that. Um, you know, because in, in, in my mind, especially when it comes to black and brown bodies, it's a, um, you know, it's a teaching of the civil right to act. Um, and so to counter that violence, because those are acts of violence, in my mind, um, when students are put behind partitions, they're excluded, um, and, and they, they're not exposed to any kind of cultural relevant pedagogy that is really uplifting them and um, revealing the true genius within the educational spaces. So, yeah, it's, it's sad that that's a, that story of yours isn't one that isn't my first time hearing that story, um, and it's, it's similar to mine as you as you said the uh, the um, anecdote. So, absolutely. All right, so when we talk about your negative teacher, uh, who was your favorite teacher and why? All right, so um, this I'm, I'm I'm able to like immediately jump to this. Um, so it's about halfway through the year, my, my, my regular language art teacher, my English teacher, she, she split. I don't know why, but somebody came in to take over her spot. So a new teacher was coming in, and uh, the way that she introduced herself to the class is, uh, you know, we walked into the class, and it's like redecorated. She revamped it. It's like, we came in like a Monday, and over the weekend, she came in. She was going to be our new teacher. And she had us play this game where she, um, she gave us, like, index cards, and she had us write down anything that we noticed about her or about the classroom. And then she had us put the index cards in this box. And I was sitting with, with this girl named Wendy at my table, I was in eighth grade. And I was sitting with uh, Jay, Jay Thomas. Um, and Jay Thomas was like the clown in the class. And, and in all the other classes, like he was a kid that would get um, ejected. Like teachers had like no patience for this student. Um, so he ends up showing up the card when he writes down on the card. And we're like, oh snap. You're going to put that in the box? Like, she's reading these out loud. She's going to read them out loud. Like, don't do it, Jay. Don't do it. You get thrown out. He's like, no, 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 no. It's going to be bad funny. We're like, okay. So we couldn't wait to see the show, you know? So he, he writes whatever he's going to write on the card. I'm not going to reveal it yet, but I'm going to let you know. But he puts it in the box. We all put our cards in the box. And uh, Mrs. Keegan steps up on the class, and she pulls one card out at a time. And she's like, all right, so somebody said that they noticed that I wear color, colorful clothes. And then she starts talking about how her dress is from Guatemala and, like, she connected it to her travels and her experience. So it's kind of like a getting to know you, like an icebreaker kind of a thing. So she's, like, building community with us, right? Letting us know who she is as an authentic person. And she and somebody wrote, I noticed that you got a picture of Tupac on the wall. And she's like, yeah, like, I, I love Tupac. He's actually one of my favorite poets, one of my favorite writers. 
we're like, oh snap, we never thought of Tupac as a poet. We just, you know, he's just a rapper. Um, so she kind of started to like change our minds on how we how we viewed like a writer, somebody who were, or a poet. So she finally gets the Jay's card, and it's like the last one in there. He's like the only one that has like an orange card too. So she knows it's Jay, even though we can write our names on it. And she pulls it out, and she looks up at the class. And her eyes, like, rise to us, and we can't wait. Like, my knees are shaking. I'm like, yo, I can't wait for her to read this card out loud. This is going to be crazy funny. Jay's going to get thrown out. It's going to be wild. So she pulls the card out. She looks up at us. You see her silently reading the card in her head. And she gets this huge smile that stretches across her face. And she looks up to the class, and she reads what he wrote on the card. And she says to all these eighth graders, she goes, this is Keegan. The thing that I noticed about you is the is the fact that you got mosquito bites for breath. And we like hooting and hollering. We were like flipping out. We were like laughing, but then we were also kind of like scared for what was going to happen. And she just starts cracking up. And she looked up at us and she goes, "You know what, Jay? I do have mosquito bites for breath." And from that moment on, we were like in love with this teacher. And. And the reason why, um, the reason why is because she was able, she was vulnerable. She was able to laugh at herself, and she she accepted the humanness of Jay Thomas. And Jay, who was always thrown out of these classes, became, that, that became, like, his favorite teacher. And, like, she had him in that class performing as a language arts student for the whole rest of that year. Like, I've never seen him perform. And I, I just thought it was so dope that she could laugh at herself connect with us and take the time to kind of like build community and uh that's why she was my favorite yeah she loved us awesome that's an awesome story yeah for sure that's a that's a special that's a like you said that's a special person to be that that vulnerable and that authentic you know with with a group of kids because oh I mean that that goes. That was not what I was thinking. I was thinking you were gonna say like, "Oh, you fine" or something like that. But no, that I mean that's like that was some crazy stuff for that kid to write. But I mean that's that's amazing. Yeah. And she was able to have like a real conversation with us about that. Um, you know, she kind of pulled us aside, the guy to the side, and talked about that and how that could also be like a, a da- like a dangerous thing in terms of like criticizing body type, but like at the same time embraced his his humor and was okay with laughing at herself and loved him, like just loved him from the start, you know. And that always stood out to me and, and you know, it, it was effective and uh, you know, she she always be my favorite teacher. Um, I have a lot of hip hop artists of course that have taught me a lot. Um, but I, I don't have enough time to run down through all of them, but shout out to Top Call Quest, De La Soul, the whole Native Tongue family, most Deb, Telly Quali um, comment. I learned a lot from a lot of hip hop artists. Uh, Queen Latifah, um, you know, Moni Love, like hip hop has called me a lot as well. Oh man, that was a, you, you just ran off some of my top three. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we we definitely got the uh, the the hip hop connection down. So we'll definitely circle back to that. But uh, we'd like for you to just to continue to to you know to get to know you a little bit finish the phrases for us so the first phrase is the value of a great teacher is um and thinking about this phrase i wasn't sure if, if i had it if i had it down like if i if i digested it the right way uh, but i'm just gonna kick it to you the way that i kind of viewed it um 
I think that the value of a great teacher is is someone that um, truly believes in the, uh, what I call the already genius of the youth that they teach. Um, and someone who is like, someone who focuses zeroes in on building community and relationships um, and, and establish safe spaces in the classroom. Um, you know, the, uh, the value of a great teacher is someone who centers youth voice and choice. It's someone who's vulnerable, like Mrs. Keegan. Um, someone who's self-reflective. Someone that blames themselves first in seeking ways to address struggles that students might have. Um, the value of a great teacher is someone who uh, reveals their authentic humanness and shares that with their students. Um, and there's someone who is culturally relevant and reflective and, and highly intentional with a pedagogical approach. Um, so it's someone who also accepts the humanness of the students that they teach um, and encourages that and blends it into the, to, to their uh, pedagogical practices. So. I don't know if, I, if I'm answering. I, I think that if you combine all those things together, then I would be like, damn, that's a valuable teacher, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's no real, we, we like leaving it open-ended because we want to, you know, the, the main that's thing... The main thing with the podcast too, you know, and we, you know, you and I have talked about this a little bit prior is just, we want to get, like you said, to get the teacher voice out so that, you know, people start to really see whether it's other teachers or whether it's people around the country start to see all the great things that are going on in classrooms. And like you said, the, some of the best things that are going on is that, you know, everybody's different. And I think when we appreciate like, you know, how we as teachers are different, it really puts us in a spot to appreciate how our kids are different. So th- the more different your answers, the better, man. It's it's all good. All right, dope, dope. All right, so the next one is, the hardest part of teaching is? Um, so, the hardest part of teaching, okay. So, the hardest part of teaching, I, I think for me, really, the most difficult part of teaching is um, teaching uh, within a system that I truly believe is historically um, and in many ways currently go against the grain of black and brown body. Um, and I think that the second part that's really tricky for me is not always being able to see the seeds that you plant bloom, you know? Um, in a lot of ways, that's why teaching is rewarding when you do see that happen, but sometimes there are seeds that you plant, um, that you don't see, see the, you don't get to see come to fruition. So I, I think like combining those two, the fact that we still have, um, a, a legacy of oppression that impacts our students in the public school systems today that makes it really tough. Also, um, you know, the fact that I said, I guess I'm just kind of being repetitive, but the fact that uh, I can't always see the rewards of something that I've taught um, or, a le- or, you know, a lesson that I delivered, I don't always get to see it up front and right away. So uh, I, I would say that that would probably be the, the hardest part for me. Yeah, yeah, we're right there. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Nathan mentioned about the system of education uh, not really being supportive of, of, of black and brown bodies and, and kind of seeing yourself almost as you're on the inside trying to make a change to change people's perspective of these individuals because we know historically it's not, it's not really geared for us. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was... It, it was geared for a different culture and a different 
Marlon, with cars rolling down the freeway, we're trying mm-hmm. to make strides and do things that's going to change that that perception. But it's, it's like I say, it's an uphill battle. But I, I think with people like yourself, myself, and other actors who are out here really speaking out, mm-hmm. I think we can really raise the consciousness of the people to see that, that it, it's deeper than what you're seeing. It's deeper than reform. It's deeper than technology in the classroom. It's deeper than yeah. the teacher pay. It's so yeah. much deeper than that. You have to really get to the root. I love the way John Gordon puts it. He says, you can't you can't fix a problem with a tree by dealing with the fruit. You have to deal with the root. All oh, facts. And so facts. that's where yeah. I think we kind of have to get you with that. But I, I love that. I love that. Yeah. All right. So uh, another phrase, the one thing I wish parents knew about teaching is... Um, with my experience as an educator, I, I think that the one thing that I wish parents knew um, is is how much power they have. Um, especially, especially when, when when I'm talking about uh, my black and brown parents, um, I wish that they knew how much power that they had. Um, the, the 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 path that they could lay um, for their students. Um, I know I was uh, working with a parent. We had a student removed from from a class, um, and then for the rest of the year, they were going to be just like in a whole different um, setting in the school. I'm like, what? The student's not like receiving the same amount of education. I was like, you do realize that you have the power to talk to, um, you know, talk to our principal, talk to the superintendent. You have the power to go ahead and 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 let them know what it is that you expect, and to also criticize. Um, the actions of the, the educator, um, and to, to get a clear picture of what's going on, what they what are they doing to provide the best possible education for your son, um, and some of it's just lack of knowledge, and that goes along with the legacy of oppression I was talking about before, a uh-huh. fear, a fear that's uh, you know correlated with with all of that that kind of like pushes you away from from being able to have you know or being able to to um, put yourself in a powerful situation. Like, you don't even want to approach anyone in the school and, and advocate because maybe your experience wasn't positive. So there's so much link to that in terms of legacy. Um, so I wish, you know, if I had to wish one, one thing uh, that parents do about teaching is how much power that they have in that process. And I also wish that they knew how gifted and valuable they themselves were as teachers. Mm. Some, I mean, some of our, our greatest teachers have nothing to do with a degree that you got it has nothing to do with the fact that you've been teaching for multiple years. I know people that have degrees that teach for multiple years that are just harming, you know. Um, and a lot of parents, they're the first teachers. And, and there's a lot of lessons to be learned from the parents that we have that we could take note on as educators and then implement in our classroom. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so to, to wrap up the phrases, um, the most rewarding part of teaching is? Um, hey, it's a lot. There's a lot in that. Um, it's rewarding. The most rewarding part for me is is watching students lift each other in the learning space. Once you've built that foundational community, um, there's nothing there's nothing better than watching even seeing a student mess up and other students be like, Yo, yo fam, you got this like that that kind of stuff. Like I tell my students, I'm like, Yo, I'm your reading teacher. You know, I, I, I wanna teach you you know, strategies that are gonna lift you up as a reader and as a deep thinker, somebody who's analytical. But if you walk away from me just a great person, then, then I will have done my job. 
you know. So um, being able to see them support each other as citizens, that's rewarding. The light bulb moments, um, those moments when you see students gain confidence and overcome struggles, shining both as scholars while at the same time being their authentic self, that's special to me. Um, I also love the fact that every day is different, that there's so many families that I'm privileged to build over the years of teaching. Um, so those are all very re- rewarding parts for me as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, I can't, uh, can't, can't argue with that at all. And, and I really like what you said about community and, and we'll definitely, you know, the questions down the end, uh, we'll swing back around to it, but I do want to get into a little bit, uh, a little bit more. We, we talked a little bit prior to hitting the record button. So how, how has it been, um, being a new dad and trying to balance your, your teaching responsibilities so far? Being a new dad, um, is it, it, it's a combination of magic and sleep deprivation. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so it's that it's that balance. Um, and I'm still very new at it. You know, Luna is only a month and a few days, so so I'm still I still got notes to take. You know, when we when when you stop recording tonight, I need you to just like drop me some gems before I hang up the phone. Uh, so, so for parents that have been doing it, I know you said you had a 12 year old daughter. Um, so I need some gems from you, but, uh, it's a, it's a beautiful experience. Um, not, not only in relationship to my, my dad to daughter interaction, um, like those smiles we were talking about and, and just, um, I don't know, stuff that I can't even put, put words to that's just like the experience. Um, but it's also been beautiful bonding with my wife, you know, and, 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 you know, the wokeness that's attached to, to me really, I'm, I, I always know, I have always known that women are like the most powerful beings on the, on the face of the planet. But like, for me to experience the whole process of birth and to see, I've learned so much about like lactation and like breastfeeding and like a whole other world. Yo, shout out to lactation consultants. They are dope. Like the system that they build for women to support because it's just something I never thought about. I don't have any other kids. And it's kind of like women like do these things kind of like underneath like a taboo veil or something. And they're doing these powerful things. And I'm like, I'm being woke to like just small things, like the power of breastfeeding and, mm-hmm. um, you know, the physical strength and, and given the, the, you know, delivering Luna, but also like the mental and emotional, like no doubt. I, I, I was able to talk to my students to share the experience. Because my wife kind of like she clowned, and then she also at the after that like they ended up call, uh, having a C-section. So wow. like she basically did both, and to see her like she's like I'm like that's gangster. Like you are like a, a straight up gangster. The way that you just handled yourself through all like I could never I could never do that. And I know it's kind of cliche because we say that, but like. On the real, like I experienced it now. I, I went back to my students. I was like, "Yo, I was like, does anyone know what a D-section is?" Students were like, "Um, yeah, they they like cut you open." And I was like, "You can't just say it like that. Like they cut you open. Like they cut your body open and they pull a human being out of it. Like that's like insane. Like you can't say it calm like that. You realize what what you know?" And and I was like, "Guys, no matter what you think, my boy, my king, yo, no matter what you think, I'm telling you right now, woman." are the most powerful, strongest, mentally, 
physically, emotionally beings on the face of the planet take care of, you know? So, yeah, that's my being a new dad. <laughs> mm. Mm. That's right. I'm going to tell you, that's part for the course. I mean, uh, like I say, 12 years, in, 12 years in, I'm still getting advice from my father-in-law, you know, who had a daughter. Uh, you know, that was his own, my wife's his only daughter. And taking notes from, you know, my best friend who has three daughters. You know, so yeah, we like, got we to support each other. Oh, man, it, 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 you know, and I think the biggest thing and what I try to do, I try to be 100% transparent with my daughter. I want her yeah. to see me for who I was, who, I, who I've become, and who I'm becoming. Well, I like that. And I think if she can see that transition, she'll know that, okay, so I don't have to be perfect. I just have to keep trying. Well, I have to get it right all the time, but as long as I'm striving to get the mark, then, then I'm okay. As long as I keep going this way, and I really, I, that's what I try to instill. And I've been in that way with her from the beginning. From, you know, before I was married, she was from a previous uh, relationship. But before yep. I got married, when I was a single dad, you know, uh, having to raise her on my own and really just having to have those conversations with wow. her, you know, early on. You know, wow, shout out, shout out to single dads, dad. yeah. Oh, man, big shout out. Because I think we get a bum rap a lot of times. Because they're like, oh, they're deadbeat or they're this. And it's like, no, there are a lot of us out here who really put in the work to make sure that I see it's made manifest into what it's supposed to be. Words. So, gems. So, yes, yeah. on gems, on gems. Thank you. <laughs> so, yes, yeah, so, man, I, I, we'll definitely have to chat, chat up on that. So, uh, Word. Thank you. I appreciate that. But let's shift gears a little bit, and let's kind of talk about education as a whole. And uh, just like to kind of get your take on what's your take of the state of education today. Um. So, and speaking about this topic, I gotta, I can only draw from my experience, obviously. Um, in my research, my experience as somebody who's come, come through the education system um, as a, a minority and somebody who has come through, somebody who's also um, a black educator, um, you know, now teaching within that system. So, I speak from those points um, and then research that, you know, that I've engaged in. And I guess I would say, in terms of the state of education, you know, there's pockets of education that are, you know, they're, they're making moves um, towards shifting the paradigm. Um, and that really gives me hope. Uh, shout out to BTOS. You know, shout out to the Hip Hop Ed fam. Shout out to Teacher Magic. Um, so people, there are people doing the work. Shout out to y'all. Um, even if you're not in the field of education and you're not, like, doing it, something like this, like amplifying these voices, getting these stories out, that's part of education. Um, so thank you for, for the opportunity for the amplification of the voice, like I, I mentioned earlier. Uh, but there are also, there are even larger pockets that I think um, remain kind of marinating in that um, in that big legacy of oppression that I mentioned earlier, um, and w- which really reveals itself through euphemism um, or sometimes remains hidden, not even revealing itself at all. Um, in terms of institutionalized racism. So there are still too many children that are harmed, um, especially black and brown bodies, and, and the effects of that are extreme. Um, you know, I, I had a line in a piece of lyric that I wrote that was, it was like, you know, school to prison um, lifeline, you know, some of us test scores, uh, school to prison pipeline, and some of us test scores to find our lifeline. That's terrifying. Um, you know, I, I write about it in a lyrical piece. It's like uh, 
activities is like the school system. You should rename it the full system. The verbally and mentally getting a view system. A youth system made the benefit the few system. We the voices of the youth to build a new system. The Board of Education got us Board of Education. The sick away and be impatient with these lack of changes. ESL know us well. We don't lack in language. We don't be complacent. We don't be on the anguish. They try to decorate our death with some euphemism. We here to reconstruct our breathless and truth and wisdom. The achievement gap. The school system isn't feeling us. No doubt that there's a gap. Because you ain't feeling us. You know, like, so, so I wow. think that while there are pockets, there are pockets that exist, people that are making moves, like yourself, like hip-hop band, like some of the other people, and people that I didn't name, that are working hard every day, that I don't have a title to shout out. Um, there are people making moves, and that gives me hope. And I do think that we're going to shift the paradigm. That's going to take time. Um, but it's still, it's still not enough, you know. So that, that's where I'm at in terms of the state, the state of education today. We got to keep working. We got to keep moving. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's a tireless job, but it is the most re- rewarding job that we have is out there. Definitely. So, so just to kind of touch on, what is your basic philosophy of education that you subscribe to? Um, and so when I hear these questions, I write a lot. Um, I write a lot of, uh, like hip-hop, I write, I'm a lyricist, so things jump into my mind. So when I first hear that question, like, what is your philosophy of education? What immediately jumps to my mind is I'm like, every time I step inside my classroom, it's just double right that. Fight oppression by teaching lessons to students that give them wisdom to fight back. The youth be the true hope, forget the future, they the leaders of now. And I suggest the adults take hope, take note. We should be tired of these institutions bleeding us out. Especially if you trans, gay, black, you brown. Especially if you a female holding it down, or if you mentally ill, deaf, blind, or if you wheelchair bound, the boots try to beat me up, Scotty. I got a purpose to serve, live with jerk, you can worship the word. And I don't claim to be a god or nothing. I just aim to be the man that my father wasn't. So, I'm, like, my philosophy is that teaching, um, teaching the civil rights act. And that we should always be um, educating in such a way that students are able to recognize the power that they gain from learning what we teach them. And how they can apply that power to benefit themselves, to contribute to their personal family, to contribute to their immediate and global community. You know, you know. With all this said, uh, another important component of my philosophy is like mix the joy in. You know, with, with all of that, also blend the joy. So, um, in a nutshell, that's like my philosophy. Yeah. Awesome. That's fint. That was awesome, man. I mean, and thanks for just like dropping. Oh my god, I'm so just take it like floored by the fact that you can just like pop that off off the top man, top of your head man that's super super impressed yeah, by that no, yeah no no doubt it's i i it's asking me questions that are tapping into you know stuff that i that i think about um and kind of embrace lyrically just as just as i do you know in prose so right um you're just giving me the chance to amplify it so on the topic of hip hop, I was I was following you and I saw you know your stories and all your posts from from hip hop head this hip hop ed this past weekend and I, I just wanted to we just wanted to talk a little bit about get your take on what that was because we saw you were you were uh, in a picture with our buddy C J Reynolds who we've had on the podcast as well who's just a, such a good dude so um, yeah shout out to C J yeah. I was able to kick it with we, we've been in contact um, I think that we're kind of cooking up this podcast collaboration idea um for the future but um 
yeah, he was out there, so we were able to meet, finally meet in person. We've been talking on the phone a lot. Um, that That's what it was. Like, it was crazy dope to be in a space filled with so many educators with so much light or about the movement towards shifting paradigms to uplifting and, and uh, uplifting our youth and for the betterment of our youth um, and humanity at large. So it was a super dope experience. Um, it was really special to see work being done um, to recognize and celebrate that already genius of youth that I, that I mentioned earlier that traditional education often doesn't recognize. Um, and shout out to, to the whole, you know, hip-hop ed squad, definitely be up on hip-hop ed. Um, shout out to Dr. Emden, um, who's really given me a chance to to also, you know, as a writer um, within the hip-hop ed, the compilation on hip-hop education, the series, that they, the compilation series they dropped, um, you know, they selected me as an author of, of one of the books in the series. So they're giving me a chance to also talk about some of my other work in terms of being a hip-hop educator, the open mic movement and, and education. Shout out to um, Lopez, who co-founded that movement with me. So it was it was a space full of, like, light and uh, people doing the work. So it, 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 was, it was amazing. Definitely get out to the hip-hop ed conference. It also celebrated youth. Um, the founder of Black Girls Rock was the keynote, so I was able to soak in gems from many, many people that are, that are doing the work. Um, so yeah, that's what that was like. Nice, nice. And like, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna have to definitely link up on that because you know I was in a former life I was I was, I was a hip hop artist and, and, and a music producer, more producer than, than hip hop artist, but I've been known to dibble and dabble a little bit with with, with writing a couple of bars here and there. Yes. Um, yeah, it's worth it. So maybe we got a little collabo and uh, get some. I'm actually brushing it off now. I just restarted redoing my home studio. I'm in my doctoral program right now, so it really doesn't give me a lot of free time. Yeah, and yeah, you locked down. <laughs> so I'm getting, but I'm getting close to that point to where my, I'm getting a little bit more time where I can actually start investing back into my own self-care. And I love it. It's such a big part of that. Like that Yo, is my... I, that's so I, I would be honored to, to collaborate. That would be dope. Yeah, and then you could even maybe uh, you could maybe even get even get Nevea in on that too. You could do uh. Absolutely, yeah. My daughter, my daughter, my daughter's a budding, she's a budding art rapper. She wants to rap. Yeah. And she sings. So um, I've been working with her. We've been introducing her to poet, so she can understand you know prose and how to put words together, how to use metaphors. Figure it out. That's what's up. And I'll say this, for anybody who's listening to this podcast, introducing my daughter to hip-hop and the, the mechanics of hip-hop, not the, not the celebrity of hip-hop, not the, not the end results, but the, the mechanics of it, increased her grade point average. She was a C student before, introduced to the hip-hop last summer, this entire school year. She, she, was a, she finished with a B-plus average, and she's doing better in reading and in math. No doubt. I tell her every time, you know, think about music, you got to do, it's about counting. You know, it's, it's all about numbers, it's all about patterns, it's all about that. And it's amazing the conversations that we have. She tells me all the time, I need to get a GoPro and just stick it in the car so we can record our conversations because we have so many deep, in-depth conversations that that's triggered, and, and most of it's triggered behind hip-hop. She'll hear somebody say something and want to know, well, why are they making that reference? What does that mean? What are they trying to say? And I think her trying to figure out what's been going on is showing her that some of the stuff that she's that they like is just because of the beat, not because of what they say. Because she's more concerned about what she has to say 
than anything else. So I'm, I'm a big proponent of including getting everybody involved some kind of way in music or some type of performing arts. So that's what's up. Yeah, hip hop is the highest level of oh, pedagogy in its purest form. The highest level of pedagogy in its purest form. Yeah, when I saw you post that, I wanted to just say, "Hey, man, one hundred percent for that." Uh, yeah. That is that is that is where it is. It absolutely is. Your story is a testament to that, for, for sure. And, and uh, if we can if we can evolve that more um, in our in our um, educational spaces, I, I know I know that's going to also contribute to shifting the paradigms that we talk about. So I would love to collaborate with you. You and your daughter need to have like a father daughter podcast on hip hop pedagogy. Like I would definitely be on the list on that for sure. So that's exciting. It's a good idea. Absolutely. All right, Will, so I think we just answered number eight, so I think you're up for uh, number nine there, Guy. All right, all right. All right, so um, how do you use poetry and hip-hop in your classroom? Um, everywhere. It's everywhere. So so from, like, the aesthetic decor, you know, to utilizing lyrical analysis for the purpose of teaching and practice and reading strategies within the academic content that we work with to the establishment and maintenance of the culture that we build in our classroom, you know, hip-hop is everywhere. It's like the lifeblood of my pedagogy. Um, so sometimes people think of hip-hop education just as, like, the um, the plain and simple or literal, like, all right, use a hip-hop song now for, um, you know, as, as a means to learn a certain strategy or a certain concept, which is dope, um, and which we do a lot. But hip-hop is about the five elements about the culture um mm-hmm. so in terms of like the dj right the dj is the tone setter right so they're the ones that, that create the vibe and, and make sure that that's popping just like in the classroom like i gotta be the dj and i also gotta teach students to be the dj um to keep that vibe going and, and you gotta read it. you gotta be able to read a crowd like a dj right so i gotta be able to read my student body like that and know when i gotta like you know flip the intonation but when I gotta, I gotta have the soundtrack like stop for a blank out, everybody freeze, and then turn that volume back up and get everybody bumping again. Um, you know the graffiti. Graffiti is all about like kind of going against the, the um, societal norm. So looking deeper into um, what's happening in terms of bodies that are oppressed, and incorporating that social justice aspect into the pedagogy. Uh, graffiti is also about the visual art. So how are you setting up the classroom aesthetically? How are you building building your educational world um, that meets the, the cultural needs, that, that dynamic the needs of the students that are in front of you? That's the graffiti. You got the MC. So you got the word, the lyricism, the person that rides on that beat that the DJ's putting out. Um, and that connects back to like your delivery as an educator. Sometimes you got to do a little call and response, right? So sometimes, you know, same, same thing as the MC, just like with the pedagogy, with the teaching. Um, you also got the B-boy. That's the movement. So how are you moving? How are you incorporating movement into your class? How, how are you getting your students up and out of their seats while they, you know, in correlation with the learning process? How are you moving in the room? How is your room structured in a way to, to um, embrace the movement? Um, and then you've got knowledge as a fifth element, right? And that's all of those four coming together. Um, but, but it's more than that. It's knowledge itself. It's knowledge of your teacher. How are you, how are you allowing students to um, gain knowledge of self, 
and to truly value the educational process, not because of there's some grade they need to get, but because it's truly going to uplift them in their community. And then how are you letting students know who it is that you are authentically so that you are real with them and they feel comfortable and safe in the space that you're teaching them in? That's hip-hop. So it's, it's more than just using. It is about using like hip-hop as a means to teach a certain content component, but it's, it's more about the culture embedded into your pedagogical practices. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I, I took notes on everything you were just saying, um, not because I want to know about hip-hop, because I feel like I'm pretty abreast on the, on the culture, but because how to implement that into your classroom. And you get you dropped some major nuggets right now about oh, people who may, who may want to, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm, I'm going in my 12th year teaching. And I have yet to implement fully my hip-hop knowledge or my hip-hop uh, experience into my classroom. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm a music producer. Like I said, I, I have four or five keyboards, drum machines, you know, recorders. I've never Word. done it. Never done it. And this year, I'm going over to middle school for the first time. And I say, you know what? I'm going to try to, you know, I, I need to implement that because that's such a huge part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And my daughter even made the comment. She's like, Daddy, you need to rap the first day. They need to know that you can rap. Go in there and make a freestyle about about what's, what's going on in the class and who you are because they need to see that. They, that'll get them lit. I promise you. you know, a teacher that rap will get them lit, Daddy. So I'm like, okay, baby. I, you know. So <laughs> I've been working on you know my own introduction. Introducing that stuff through, 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 you know, through bars. And I was like, you know, I'll do that. You know, and, and again, it's all an experiment in experience. So that's, that's my goal, just to see what all we can do with it. And, and I'll, I'll keep you up to date on how it's going. Definitely, definitely, <laughs> definitely do all that. All that is so relevant. Um, we got Freestyle Fridays popping in my room, so we'll put a list of words on the board. Um, that, you know, vocabulary that we've worked on in reading, or just like like life words on the board and the challenges, the freestyle. Um, before my students, you know, I, I issue a, like a three to four minute break in every one of my classes. I, I made a promise to my students this week. This was on Tuesday. I was like, yo, if anyone can, can battle rap me right now, and, and if your bars are harder than mine, we'll, we'll, we'll hit the break early. It's also ways to, to, to build connections with students, so definitely hit them with the intro bars. Um, I'm also the co-founder of the Open Mic Movement in Education. Um, I found that with, with my, my homie Justice Lopez, social justice. Um, and and that, that really is, we have a midday, actually we have one tomorrow. We have a midday open mic. Um, Every other Friday, uh, we're doing it on Wednesday because the school year is coming to a close. So we're doing it tomorrow, um, and it's totally youth-led, youth-run. We got a youth DJ, we have youth hosts, we have the promo, we have youth leaders. Um, they design the theme. It's uh, it's pretty extraordinary, and that that will be the book that comes out in that hip hop big compilation. It's going to focus on the open mic movement, so you'll be able to like access like some of that because you know I've been able to train some schools. And um, I think it's about, it's not a program, it's not a, it's not a, um, it's not an acronym, I don't want it to be thought of as that, it's not like some save all, it's culture. Um, and I think that I would like to see a school day, I would, I'd like to see, a, a, see it be a natural part of a school experience, where there are open mics, where students can rap, they can sing, they can dance, they can express what they know through the performance art. Um, our theme tomorrow is teacher-student unity, so yo, pizza. Uh, students have been working with teachers, teaching them steps, teaching them rap. We got a rap about Patrick Douglas coming up to the stage tomorrow. 
with a um, social studies teacher and my, one of my students, Anthony, shout out to King Anthony. Um, there's just so much that you can do with that, that dynamic, and that's hip-hop, too. So when you ask me, like, how do I incorporate it, it's in my classroom, um, and I've been able to do it at a, a larger school, you know, a larger scale, to, you know, at the whole school level. So that's that. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's dope. That's dope. That's dope. All right, so... Um, as a teacher, how do you work to be a peacemaker? Um, that's tricky. So it's tricky because we're human beings, right? But we have our ups and downs. So I, I think that I'm always having that, you know, one of one of the set expectations, you know, you have your non-negotiables. I have, I have five of them. And then I have to decide how they want the class to flow at the, at the start of the year. We're kind of like build together as a family, but one of them is keep the peace. Um, You know, and I think that as a teacher, you become, you work to to, to be a peacemaker by being transparent about the times that you do not feel peaceful um, and communicating the reasons why you focus on bringing good energy. So I'm very transparent about why I try to focus on the positive. Um, But, you know, Acknowledging that our ancestors fought too hard for us to be locked in a negative mindset um, and that there are those who always have it worse, while at the same time balancing that mindset with allowing students to feel their feelings and honoring the fact that we all have our own struggles um, and that we all sometimes need something different to send our emotions and attract, extract our inner peace. So it's a balance between like being positive, but not so much to the point where it's fake. You know, you got to be authentic. So, so I had a student ask me just the other day. They were like, yo, can I ask you a question? And I was like, sure, you just did. And it's like, can I ask you another question? And they were like, all right, how do you remain so positive, Mr. Parker? Like, how do you remain so peaceful and positive all the time? I was like, listen, I want you to know right now that I'm sad sometimes. Sometimes I get angry. I, I feel some type of way sometimes. Like, I, I was like, but to answer your question, what, what I do as a strategy is I compartmentalize. I got things popping off in my life right now. Family members that are struggling, you know, stress that goes along with being a dad is beautiful, but there's also parts where it can be stressful. Like, I have that real stuff going on, and I'm sad, and I'm upset sometimes. But what I do is I compartmentalize, and I use my resources. So I go back to those people that can lift me up. I use hip-hop as a resource. I, I run. I go to the gym. I talk to, I talk to people that are, other people that are positive, that believe in me and affirm me. Like, that's one of the things I do. I was like, but also, I think about people that have it worse. So while I might be struggling with the fact that, you know, I got a lot of papers to correct, I'm also thinking about Puerto Rico and the fact that Michigan, so Michigan still got dirty water. You know, like, I'm also thinking about people that got it way worse than me, and that helps to center me. Uh, but I, I, told, I told my student, I was like, I never want you to, I'm a peacemaker, and I try to bring the positive energy because we're responsible for the energy that we bring into our classroom. But, but I'm like, yo, I'm also human. And it's okay for you to not always be positive. It's okay for you to feel your feelings. We do something like a, a, an emotional check-in. Uh, we do a one-to-five check-in with my students. Um, and I'll be like, I'm scared from one-to-five how you feel. Five is like, there's, you know, rainbows are popping. There's unicorns skipping. It's like the best day. Sun is shining. Best day in the world. A one is like, you wish that you just stayed under the covers all day and cried by yourself and maybe watched some Netflix. So... We do one to five check-in and students let me know what the number is. Sometimes they speak to it, sometimes they don't. And the point is, isn't to, um, isn't to judge, it's to recognize. It's, it's better for the students to look at other people's numbers 
and recognize where people are. And, be, and, and then be responsible for bringing the energy. Like, what kind of energy? Can, how can we be present right now, even though we might be at a one, we might be at a two, three, four, five. So, and that's a work in progress, just like people are. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. So to to kind of riff off that, to you know, what is what is the value of of bringing that that optimism, that positivity, and and you know that sense of gratitude into your classroom? I think it's the energy. The value of that is the energy that that I can give to my students to thrive upon. You know, and uh, and illustrating that that as a human being you can be multifaceted. That you can have struggles in life and still spread love. Um, and you know, sometimes we gotta just sit down and be humble like Kendrick told us and, and have that gratitude. Um, and, and being thankful for others that have laid the path. You know, for, for me, like you have certain objectives and, and uh, essential questions you write in your board and whatnot that like the system, like how you doing, like, you know, and, and, and there's, there's some value to those things. But everybody's essential question should be, how is what I'm teaching my students, um, how does it truly bring power to them? How does it get them paid? How does it, how does it, how does it help their immediate families, their future families, um, their immediate communities, and the, and the global community at large? And that's all wrapped into that, that thankfulness for ancestors that have paved the path. Um, and it's linked back to the positivity and the optimism. If you can have realness in your in your teaching space, um, then you can give your students energy in that realness, and you can give them optimism in what it is that they're doing as learners. Um, and, and you can have them be thankful, you know, for being able to be a part of that process, and for those that struggle to allow them to be a part of the process. Right. Right. Can't can't agree more. So we, we've we've talked a lot about your activism and you know how you do that, but the question I want to ask, especially, um, and I'm trying to think of it from my perspective, you know, you you can really, and I don't want to make assumptions here, but you know, it's easier for you to be in, you know, to understand what it's like to have been, you know, a minority student in the system that we have. Me, myself, I was a very privileged white kid in a small town Wisconsin school. So, so my experience is obviously way different from either of your two. But what really impresses me with what you've said and what you do is, is the degree of empathy you bring. So I'm wondering, you know, how, how is it that you approach it with such empathy? And, and how can people who maybe don't have the same experiences you have uh, approach these topics uh, with empathy as well. Hmm, that's a, that's a tricky question because mindset is a funny thing. Um, and you know, I teach half the day. I teach eighth grade um, reading. The other half of the day, I really work with teaching teachers. Uh, you know, pedagogical strategy for for establishing and maintaining an effective learning environment. Um, and teaching teaching them how to teach and connect with students. Um. And I think that empathy kind of has to be paired with a teacher being able to have a growth mindset and a teacher being able to be self-critical and vulnerable and to be able to, like, dig in 
and, and do what you're doing, like ask these questions, um, you know, of people that that have had have been part of the struggle, um, you know, and I think that that once you're able to, once you have a teacher that's willing to, to do that for, from that point on, then then you can build. The empathy can be can be used as a motivator to also um, start affecting change in terms of students. Um, you know, teaching is, is, I think teaching is activism. I guess if you're doing it right, um, it is activism. You know, I, 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 I'm a, I'm a youth empowerment activist. Um, and when it comes to the classroom and approaching difficult subjects, um, I think that it takes an element of bravery. It takes connections to be built with students and their families. You know, there's also, like, a trust factor. So really building that connection with the families. So if you're going to approach an issue, like, um, let's say, if you're going to analyze, you know, Childish Gambino, This Is America, um, and you're going to look at the bigger connections to that piece, um, you having a, a relationship with the students and with the parents, uh, um, and being able to use the language, um, use the educational language, to establish what it is that you're going to be doing helps uh, in the educational spaces to be able to to um, discuss those difficult subjects. Um, and then with that, I think naturally comes empathy. When you talk about the isms, the racisms, um, you know, the sexism, you know, if you, if you talk about um, anti-Semitism in your classroom, if you work that into your instruction, and you're also talking about genderism and... and, and all these conditions, but you get to the point where you're able to do that as an educator. Empathy, empathy comes naturally with that. Um, I feel like if you're doing it effectively and you're doing it transparently, um, and you're real with that, and you are calculating, you're intentional, and you're planning when you are incorporating that into your pedagogy, I think that the empathy like blooms naturally. At least in my experience, that's what I've seen in terms of the student being empathetic towards that and wanting to dig deeper into it, and then them being inspired to be activists, um, to make moves, to uplift people in the end. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, you know, like I said, I, I grew up small town, Wisconsin, um, you know, very privileged, very sheltered, but you know, one of the best things that ever happened to me was I, I moved to Houston and that's where Wilkie and I met teaching down there. And it, it just was such an eye opener to see how so much of the rest of the world lives, you know, even in our own country and, you know, the things that they go through. And it's, I mean, it's still hard though, because there's times where I just feel like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be talking about race, you know, because I don't, I don't have the experience that you guys have. And, um, I try not to let that, you know, dissuade me from actually doing it, but it's, it is a challenge and I know it's a challenge for you and it's a challenge for all of us to really find the right tact and, you know, but I love what you said about, you know, it taking bravery and connection to be able to do those things. I think that's, that's a, that's a crucial part of really making any progress in any, you know, social setting or that stuff is really to have the bravery to, to speak it, but also to be willing to make the connections. And what you said is just beautiful too, because that's authentic. And I think that, for you and your personal experience, that's important for you to say up front. So it's important for you to kind of preface, if you're getting into these areas, 
you know, coming from a white perspective, it's good for you to just state that, to be transparent, say, hey, I feel, like, to be real, like, I feel really worried. I need you guys to help me and let me know. Like, I'm feeling anxious about this because I'm coming from a different perspective. I'm coming from a privileged outlook. Um, but that's not enough for me to not talk about these topics because they're central to, to you and all of us as humans. For you to preface it with that realness of how you feel about it and to also acknowledge the fact that you come from a privileged position, I think, is helpful. Um, in 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 um in all of that, so that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, and one thing that I always stress to everyone, and I, I'm the new teacher uh, coordinator at my campus, so I was last for the last two years, and it was that be authentic to who you are with your students. Don't try, if you're not hip hop, don't be hip hop. That's not yeah. you. Yeah. If, 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 if you're country and that's what you listen to, introduce uh, introduce it to them. Absolutely. Introduce them to as to, to parts and the nuances that make you you, and they'll get those essences of your your uniqueness that the kids will gravitate to, and then they'll feel like, okay, let me open up to you about things about myself. You know, when I talk to my kids about me dropping out of school and you know running away from home and you know going through a spell where I hated my mom and. I yeah. got letters and notes from teachers, I mean, from our students telling me, you know, Miss Locke, sometimes I feel like, you know, I hate my mom too. You know, it makes me feel like, you know, she doesn't care about this, she doesn't care about that. And they, it, it was that connection that you make with them that, that's only going to come about if you're authentic. You know, if you try to pretend that you're hip-hop when you're really, you know, uh, I'm not even going to say pop anymore. If you're, you're playing hip-hop, but you're, but you're, you know, you're old-school jazz and, and, you know, are you, you know, Broadway, it's not going to make a connection because they're going to automatically see through it. Right. Do you. Right. Yeah, right. If you do you, do who you are, be who you are. I can't be, I can't be Kyle. You know, I can't be Ryan, but I guarantee you, I can be the best me that I know. And right. I guarantee you, I can make students understand and feel me. Even if you disagree with me, you got to feel me. Facts. Preach. So... I think that's what, I think that's, and even, you know, Kyle and I, we've been joking about uh, writing a book and talking about writing a book for a while, and one of the things we talked about, we, we did a speech, um, like a talk with our district, and it was the ABCs of inspired teaching, and the A was authenticity. Yeah, How right, that's it. Are you with your, with, your, with your student, being who you are, and I think that's what speaks volumes to, um, to the kids and gets them, gets them to start seeing themselves for who they are also. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I know that, you know, Wilkie and I harp on this, this story and this point, but the real change for me came as an educator when, because when I, when I met Wilkie, when we wound up on the same team teaching together, it wasn't that my teaching skills had deteriorated. It's just um, how I felt about myself as a person, who I was, the people I was hanging out with. Um, none of them were really overly bad but they just weren't they weren't bringing anything positive into my life and and as Wilkie started speaking to me about you know being myself and authenticity and you know growth mindset and it really shifted not only who I was as a teacher but it because it shifted who I was as a person and you know it it paved the way for us to be here this this conversation that the three of us are having now is just an extension of the conversation we started five years ago 
And that's and that's that's how our nonprofit started. That's how this podcast started. And it's just um, above everything else, you know. I if I could give one piece of advice to teachers or or whatever, it's just it's okay to be authentic and and genuine. And what? and I I don't think I don't think it's something that is stressed enough to to teachers, especially the newer teachers. So, so the best thing you've read in the last twelve months? Um, I got uh, push out uh, by Monique Morris, notebook, centered on the criminalization of black girls in schools. Everybody got to read that. Um, Everyday anti-racism, uh, a collection uh, of writing uh, talking about uh, you know get, getting real about race within the school systems and, and the impact of that and giving solutions on how to have, you know, ignite conversations about that. Um, dope book. Um, shout out to Dr. Emden, um, for white folks who teach in the hood, every teacher. It should be like a prerequisite to even be thinking about becoming an educator. Um, that book is super dope. Those are the three that I'll lay out to you for right now, but those three down there books are there. Yeah, I was I was super fortunate. Um, not this pa- this past year, but in 2017, I was at South by Southwest EDU, and I saw Dr. Emden uh, give his speech uh, where he referenced everything for, from that Tribe Called Quest album. It was like 
one of the craziest speeches I've ever seen. It was so good. Word. So that yeah. was that was awesome. All right, so yeah. so as we wrap up, could you just recommend you know two or three people that people can follow you know besides yourself because we're de- we definitely going to shout you out here at the end. But you know, two or three people you know if if teachers are looking for inspiration or or you know things that you think would add value to teachers, two or three people you follow that you think everybody else should. Um. Yeah. Well, first off, uh, people should be leading. <laughs> but if you're gonna follow, follow great leaders. Um, and you can follow, you can follow some great leaders like Dr. Bettina Love. Um, my number one, Dr. Bettina Love. Follow her. Follow Dr. Chris Enden, the whole hip hop ed squad. Jose Clemente. Follow Teacher Magic. Follow my Talk squad. Ashley Quasi. My man Matt Adapt. Social underscore Justice. Justice Lopez. Follow him. Uh, follow my homie CJ Reynolds. Um, follow Black Girls Rock. Follow Comet. Follow Angela Davis, Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole. Um, follow follow the youth, um, like Marley Diaz, who established the um, the One Thousand Black Girls Books um, movement. So, if I you know real quick, because I know you're on time, definitely follow those diamonds that I just talked about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So, Will, you wanna you wanna bring the last two home for us? Uh, all right. So. What is your proudest accomplishment to date? Um, uh, my daughter, Luna. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Luna, uh, the open mic movement that I talked about uh, earlier, you know, specifically with that, with, um, with allowing youth to have voice. Um, I've had youth members go out and present with me on college campuses, teaching the movement to others. So that's huge to, to see it evolve into something so big. Um, and I think that one of, one of, another one of my proudest accomplishments is I've actually been teaching long enough to now be teaching with kids that I taught. So actually, a quasi was our student was our uh, teacher of the year this past year. She was my eighth grade. Uh, she's in my eighth grade language arts class. Now she's a wow. eighth grade language arts teacher. She's actually stepping in my classroom next year. Because I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be working more with consulting and teaching, teach, teaching teachers how to teach. So she's gonna actually be taking over. Well, and, and that's special. Um, Justice Lopez um, was a student that I mentored, who is amazing on multiple levels. So to see them, like they, they come over my house and hold my daughter, and to be working so closely with them and presenting with them now, I think that's like to see the fruition of those deeds, like and to see them doing things that I'm taking notes on. You know, that's the idea to pass the baton and for them to become stronger and better than you. Um, shout out to Matt Adapt, you know, uh, Matt Delaney, who's also another teacher that I, I kind of mentor, who just is, like, doing it big. So I think those are the, the biggest accomplishments and simple things, just like uh, being able to come home and sit down and, like, be with the family, you know. It seems small, but it's huge. Absolutely, absolutely. Alright, um, and this is the last one, uh, before I ask this question, I just want to thank you again, man, I, it, it is so refreshing to, to have a conversation with, with another, with educators, period, but especially one mm-hmm. who, who is about the cause of social justice and trying to uplift students to empower them, their voices, uh, I've been in PDs for like the last, uh, two days, and, 
empowerment. And I thought it was mm. interesting that because usually we want kids just to come get and sit and get, sit and get, but they never get an opportunity to give us anything. And our students have so much to give us if we just take the time to open up and allow them to start blossoming. And um, so I, I just want to salute you, my brother, and say, you know, Godspeed to everything that you touch, that it just continues to grow and flourish and blow up. I'm, I'm definitely going to get in touch with you by the open mic movement in education um, and, and, and try to do some things like that down here in Houston. Um, I love I it. I would love to come out. I would love to come out. I would love to come out and collaborate. Um, and, you know, it's not, you know, you're sending the praise to me, but, you know, it, it, it's educators like you. It's both of you guys who are who are listening to voices. Um, I'm, I'm nothing without y'all. I'm just a I'm just a mirror, you know, and I'm reflecting y'all your greatness. So we're in this together. It's not about me. It's really about us. In terms of the PD too, like here's another confusing thing. If you're gonna have a PD about youth empowerment, do you have youth at the PD? Mm. <laughs> no, no I'm saying say that we, we always have we always have professional development about kids and what we need to do right for kids. We don't have kids at the PD. Right. You know? She asked that question. She brought that question to us and said that that's part of the movement. She she's uh, she authored the book uh, about the Genius Hour. Um, uh, she's from out of Waco, Texas, and she talked about the fact that she would always say, "If we're going to make decisions about kids and we're going to talk about what's best for kids, let's get a panel of kids in here." Absolutely. And so it's funny that you say that because that. That's part of that empowerment. We can't say they're empowered but we're still making decisions behind the back. Absolutely. So, um, so, so yeah. So that that that's awesome that you connected that. Um, so this last question, we we asked everybody this, and I think this is probably the most one of the most serious questions that we asked. Um, what do you want your What do you want to be your lasting legacy? Um, I think that I want to have less. You know, I think I, I would want to have left behind, um, you know, the notion of just being good, you know, especially for my daughter. You know, I, I want her to to be good, kind, to be uh, happy. And to, if, I, if, I, if I'm talking about this legacy in regards to education as a whole, I want to be a key factor in changing what education looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Um, and I want to do it by teaching in classrooms. I want to do it through hip-hop and through writing books and presenting and collaborating with great minds like, like yours. Um, so if, if, if I had to, like, say one thing, I really, I really hope that when I'm done that I will have impacted or have had an impact on what education, changing what education looks like, sounds like, and feels like. Absolutely. That's awesome. Anything you want to add, Kyle? No, man. Uh, that's, like I said, this has been, you know, we've had a lot of great conversations. This one is, is so up there. So um, for people that want to wanna connect with you and uh, get in touch and just, uh, you know, start to work with you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you, find you, follow you? Um, Instagram, really. Um, I do have a Facebook, but my mom runs a Facebook. It's her way of staying connected with me. I haven't even, I haven't looked at that for for uh, a grit. So it's um, at Peace Love Parker. So if they follow at Peace Love Parker, they can DM me 
Um, I've collaborated with so many educators. That's how TJ and I got connected and then, you know, we changed numbers and now we're building building together. So, um, at Peace Love Parker um, is the best way to get a hold of me. Uh, and then we could build from there and exchange numbers from there. Just DM me. Um, and then before I sign off, I do. I got to shout out my wife because she is with Una right now, alone. She was with her all day. Um, so doing the thing, being that great mom that she is. So shout out to my wife. Um, and I got to shout out you guys before I sign off uh, once again for this opportunity to be able to uh, bring voice to to education, um, amplify somebody that's in it, um, and then to also combine that with your experience. And to be able to have this as a resource for uh, other educators or people that have, you know, kids that are in school, um, this is important work that you're doing. So I appreciate you and the whole process. Thank you, man. That means a lot. Thank so we appreciate that. All right, man. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll uh, let you got and let you get out of here, get back to your gig. But uh, this is us uh, signing off on the podcast.